So, um, and I want to welcome you all. Uh, welcome you all to, to class. Good morning. You have been signed out. Oh, okay. This is okay. Let's go. Got it. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. All right. Let's see here. I've been terrible at taking attendance. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I got my in-person people, but the Zoom people I've been missing out on, so I've been trying to keep a memory on. And then afterwards, putting it in my notes, who was here. My memory's on the so, so good. Just a little bit, that's all. That much. <laughs> all right, so this week, we're actually going to finish chapter one. Like my notes are all about chapter one. So I only have two slides and that's it. And then we're going to uh, go into chapter one so we can finish it so we can move on to chapter two. So next week we'll hit chapter two. We're only going to be in chapter two probably one week. We'll see how it goes. Um, that's the goal, but who knows uh, how it goes. But um, but yeah, so, so far I believe that we're on a good um, going on a good pace, and I think the class is going really well. And um, so we're going to, of course, ask you all some questions. So that's why I have my whiteboard up. Um, so we've been learning about um, what is a disciple of Jesus Christ. And um, for the past few weeks, we've been going over um, the, the levels of discipleship. Does anybody remember the three levels of discipleship? What is level one? <laughs> he was on it. <laughs> okay. A learner. That's right. A disciple is first a learner. Okay. I hate that I have bad handwriting, but it is what it is. Okay. Um, who else? Number two. What is the, the second one? Second level of discipleship. The disciple is also a what? Is a preacher. Is a preacher. Yeah, yeah. I'm really good still. No reason. Come on, Zoom. My in-person people. Maybe because they can raise their hand quicker. All right, I'm gonna leave this one to the Zoom. Let's see here. What's the third one? Uh, a disciple is also what? Teacher. 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 Thank you. Yes, a teacher. Good. A teacher. Okay. So um, it is important that um, as a disciple, as we see with Jesus, that when they first became a disciple or recruited as a disciple, they went through uh, a rigorous process. They were they considered themselves learners or followers of Jesus Christ. And we see quite a bit of scripture that contributes um, the requirement of if you're going to uh, follow Jesus Christ, then you must submit yourself as a learner um, of, of, of him. And so um, uh, that's number one. And then, of course, number two, uh, we've been talking about um, quite a bit the fact that disciples are also preachers of the gospel. 
So it's just not an elite group of people of how Christianity treats preachers. They, pre they treat preachers more like an office, thinking that only particular people can have this particular role. But as we're looking at scripture, especially in 2 Corinthians, um, there are scriptures that talks about us um, being ministers of the gospel, ministers of reconciliation. Um, and so that's, that's something that we must um, that we must keep in mind and that Jesus, he told his disciples to go out and, and preach, not just the 12, but of course we find, we found out that Jesus had more than 12. He had at 1.72, he had 120, he had, um, according to Paul, he appeared to 500. So he had a great number of disciples and he gave them the commission to go and preach the gospel, okay? And then of course, the last one is a teacher of, of the word. And so um, even during your process, because we're, we're considered lifelong learners. And so throughout our process, we're going to come uh, or reach an opportunity to, to teach someone the word of God. Not to say that you know it all, but at least you're in the process of, of learning and you committed yourself as a lifelong um, learner. And so last week we looked at Timothy, 2 Timothy uh, chapter, chapter 2, um, looking at um, how Paul uh, was speaking to Timothy. And he said that, he said, you are then my child, be strengthened in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses and trusted faithful men who will be able to teach others also, okay? So that is the, 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 the commission. Um, and, and even in Matthew uh, 28 and 19, the way that we, that we make disciples is by teaching them, okay? So that's something to, to really keep in mind as well, okay? Um, so those are the three levels of discipleship. So when it comes to being a learner of a, of a, um, a learner uh, or a follower of Jesus Christ, you are um, there are four levels of being a learner of uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, does anybody remember the four levels of being a learner? I thought it was the call. Now, not the call. Four levels of being a learner. Is being a follower one of the levels? Well, no. Um, no, no, not, fo not following. Salvation. Not salvation. Yes, the levels of call. <laughs> What are the, the four levels of learning that you're going to, to go through as being a disciple of Jesus Christ? I'll give you the first one. Training. That's the first one. You gave this last week? I gave it, I think, probably week two. That's week two. <laughs> yep, I gave it week two. It's the second one, modeling. Oh, that's like a role, a role so model. I, or something. It's, uh, modeling, so I put that one down for number three. Oh, okay. Yep. So we got we got two more here. <laughs> oh, 
Oh, actually, modeling is number four. So let me let me fix that one. Yeah, modeling is number four. What did I do? Okay, I don't know what I just did. Oh, excuse me. Wait a minute. I did something. No, it's not doing that. Why is it acting retarded? I hit some button. Now it's acting retarded. Let's see. Here. And then you get that. Ha, there we go. Okay. Modeling. All right. So we got two more. Mm, four levels of learning. So the first one is, of course, um, training. So you in order to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you have to go into training. In Luke 6, 6 and 39, it talks about, um, uh, but everyone um, who is, but everyone when he is fully trained will become like his teacher. And so um, to become like Jesus Christ, you have to be fully trained, you have to be trained. So that's one level of learning. The second level of learning is studying. So you are, after you are trained, um, uh, after you go through understanding Jewish history, after you go through understanding the books of the Bible and the characters of the Bible, the storyline of the Bible, and then um, we've been teaching, we had classes on um, uh, Bible study methods, understanding how to use various tools such as uh, the concordance and the lexicons and things of that sort. So we're helping you to get to stage number two that you can study on your own, okay? So it's, it's uh, yeah, Tanya should have just said it. She said she wanted to say that, just to say it. Um, so, uh, so in order to get to the point where you can study on your own, you need training. But the, the traditional church or Christianity teaches us that you could go read the Bible on your own and not give you any type of training. And that's how you fall into a lot of um, um, potholes or, or pitfalls, have a lot of pitfalls um, when you're looking, looking at scripture. So that's the second level of, of, of being a learner. And the third one, anybody come up with the third one? Applications, I think. I don't, I don't know. Nope. Oh, okay. I'm wrong. <laughs> Practicing. Huh? Practicing. No, no. Let the medicine work, honey. Retaining. No, that's not one. Y'all remember? Y'all gonna be like, oh, when I get it. Mentoring. Y'all remember that one? Okay. Mentoring. Well, at this stage here, you are being mentored. So you are um, how Paul says to mimic me, imitate me. And so you should have somebody in your life that is walking out this discipleship process. We gotta see how it looks like. How do I handle situations? How do I um, handle my finances? How do I give my life over 
to Jesus Christ fully. And we should have examples in our lives. So mentoring, that's the third one. And then modeling is that now I become the mentor. And so I'm, I'm, there's people who are looking, looking at me. Um, and so um, our lives is always on display as a disciple. There's no such thing as having a private life and don't worry about what I'm doing and do as I say, and not as I do. Like that, that, don't, that don't fly when it comes to discipleship. And so um, we uh, we're going to talk about that today, how Timothy, uh, Paul told Timothy and even the uh, Philippian, his Philippian church to um, imitate me, to see how I um, carry out my life. This is an example of the way that you should as well. Okay. And so, um, and so, yeah, so now you're, you're becoming the teacher. Timothy now was becoming the teacher. He was becoming the one to, to train up and to develop disciples, okay? So this is the four levels of learning, okay? Yeah, like, oh, but yeah, that's, <laughs> we it's in the um, PowerPoint notes. It's in the PowerPoint notes. Yeah, it makes sense because mm -hmm. you did set the four levels of a learner. Mm -hmm. So in these four levels of the learning, mm -hmm. then you would master, be willing to be trained, mm -hmm. be willing to study, yeah. be willing to be mentored, mm -hmm. and then be willing to put into practice what you learn. Yeah, yep, yep. So yep, definitely. So any other questions or comments about that? Next time y'all gonna get a hundred, right? Oh, in my book. <laughs> so I'll put it in my book this time. <laughs> All right. All right. That's cool. All right. So I just wanted to uh, go over that. And so now we'll just hop because we're going to finish chapter one today. And that's the good hope. We're going to get through it today. Okay. So let me uh, stop sharing here. Let me share the, the PowerPoint. I'm making it. So with this slide here, we went we went through this slide um, last week. Um, Do you know what really struck me when I first started reading this chapter a couple of weeks ago? Go ahead, share your thoughts. The first sentence or the first two sentences says that when Jesus died on the cross, 
he didn't die for a cause. Hmm. He died for people. Yeah. That just hit me. And I, I, I mean, I hadn't thought of it that way, but we always talk about how, you know, the people wanted Barabbas and, you know, because he was down for the cause, you know, whatever the cause was, that's what they were expecting their Messiah to be about. But Jesus was about people. And when you think about it, he came here as a person and he modeled interpersonal relationships and and he worked through disciples which is you know kind of one of the key themes in this first chapter and it it just struck me and so um i guess i'm thinking about that in a different way yeah definitely that's a that's a good um a good thought to have um because we don't we don't really think about that um well some don't so when you read it it's just like that's right. He died for people. And then you begin to think about um, John 3.16. That's that's the key. For he loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whomsoever believeth in him. And so um, in order for, for us to be saved, he had to uh, send his son. I don't know if there's marks in the screen. For my opinion. I don't know. Uh, he had to uh, send his son to, to die for us so that we can't live in him. So so definitely, um, thank you for that thought. Anybody else had any thoughts or um, eureka moments concerning chapter one? We've been in it for about four it's weeks good. now. It's, good. it's a good chapter. It is a good chapter. So we're going to finally finish it. We're going to finally finish it. So I'm pretty excited about that. So last week, um, we hit on 2 Timothy chapter two. And we looked at on page, I believe it was on page 10 in your book, um, when he breaks down um, 2 Timothy. And um, one thing that I really have highlighted is the, um, the part on commit. Um, let me go to that in my notes there. Uh, the commit part. And it says uh, in the book, it says, uh, uh, here it is. Um, it says, commit suggests transmitting something from one person to another. It indicates the deposit of a sacred trust. Paul is saying to Timothy, you are my disciple. This is the relationship that exists between you and me. Now transmit this um, as a disciple maker uh, to other disciples. So when we invest um, in the lives of other people, we transmit not uh, only what we know, but more importantly, what we are. Yeah, each of us become like the people with whom we associate. I am sure um, that if we could um, meet Paul and Timothy, we will find them similar in many respects, okay? And so I thought that was a really um, a, a good um, good thing to really keep in mind that if, uh, if you're under somebody who was discipling you, you got to know that person. Paul and Timothy had a really uh, close relationship to the point where Paul raised up Timothy. Uh, remember that Paul uh, met Timothy, I believe it's um, in uh, Iconia or, or the Galatian area. And um, 
had him circumcised, um, and then brought him along on his on his journeys with him. So he he saw Paul in action on how he dealt with those who hated him and how he deal, dealt with persecution and how he um, began to to raise up um, other uh, churches in, um, in various cities and things of that sort. So Timothy, it's Timothy and Titus, and there were other, of course, um, disciples that were with Paul. But it's, that's one thing to remember that um, if you're going to sit under somebody, you got to know them. You don't want to just trust anybody out here. I don't care how many followers they have and how many people think they're the greatest person. But if you don't know them personally, if you don't know how they deal with situations, if you don't know how they deal with their personal lives, then you want to really be cautious of that. Um, and so that's one thing uh, to keep to keep in mind because they're they're pouring into your life. Yeah. They're putting something that this, that's in them in you. And you have to make sure that their belief system is right, that their doctrine is right, because you can people can say all types of things and then you realize they don't really believe like they say they believe, but they can put some words together. So that's one thing you want, definitely want to uh, keep in mind. Discipleship requires closeness. It requires intimacy. OK, uh, the leaders here at the church and even um, outside these four walls, um, they're pouring, they're pouring into you. OK. Um, so Timothy, Paul is always telling Timothy and telling the other churches, like, <laughs> you see me and you see how, um, how I handle situations and you see, um, how I go in and out. Um, let that be an example to you. Okay. Go ahead. I think the thing that I got from this, the, the, the most glaring thing I got from this is how everything in today is turned around. Mm -hmm from the, the initial mission, yeah. everything is like, cause clearly according to this, discipleship was the number one goal of the, of the believer. Yeah. Yeah. Today yeah. is fivefold ministry to preachers. It's, it's, it's all the other things mm -hmm. that vaunt people once they get into the church yeah. and the, Totally, like I have not heard until I'm this saying. day that disciples, gaining disciples, mm -hmm. that was their only job. From that, the church would build, from that, the ministry would take care of itself, from that, everything would evolve. Yeah. But today, it's turned all the way it's around. It's turned all the way around. They got the horse before the carriage. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing that I got from the whole thing. And and one other thing in the relationship with Timothy with with, with um, um Timothy and um, Paul. Paul. Uh -huh. Now I can understand, and you just cleared something up for me without me asking. That how did from prison Paul's um, mentorship? Mm -hmm. Available, you know, make him able to be a mentor to so many people without seeing him. A lot of the places he only got to from letters. Yeah. You know, so I didn't know that it was, you know, I knew it was Titus, but I didn't know it was other disciples. Yeah. And I guess I have to assume that the others, it were more disciples close like Timothy and Titus mm -hmm. than led to believe. Yeah. Because I never heard anything about that. Yeah. 
That is a great point that you bring out. Um, yeah, how how is Paul still being influential behind bars? Like he did not let that stop him. He did the work before that uh, that travesty happened. And so um, in the letters, he said, you know, I'm sending Timothy to you. I'm sending Titus to you in my place. And it's just like me being there. Uh, so, yeah, definitely. You said a mouthful. So I'm just yeah, trying to understand a lot. Then you even have to think about the time that Timmy, the time from Jesus to Timothy and Paul. Yeah. It wasn't a lot of time. True. It was, we see it, as, I see it when I read the Bible. As, uh -huh. Assuming it's a lot of time, it's not a lot of time. Right. It's a right. very little bit of time that they had to gain so much mm -hmm. and give it to the people. Yeah. You know, the way he broke that down, broke I mean, that. it really, it unpacked something because as I was following him and what he was saying, is just basically as Paul was in prison, what came up as, as my brother was speaking, literally discipleship is putting legs to the vision. Yeah. Because they carry, mm -hmm. you know, when Paul could not move, he still spoke, but he still had legs because the disciples became the legs to carry the message further than what Paul. Yeah, that's that good. good. Yeah, that's, that's really good. good. Yeah, that's really good. So thank you for that thought there. Mm -hmm. I thought that was uh, really good. And you talked about, that's one I wanted to talk about, how things are now flipped yeah. and turned around. So we're focusing on the minor and not focusing on the major. And that is the trick of the enemy. Yeah. <clears throat> People may not have realized. We're, we're so, we so, the church talk about the enemy being in your finances, being on your family and all that stuff. Yes, he does. But the enemy has a bigger assignment. He is he is he wants to turn the church upside down to make them not realize who they are, what their mission is and what they're supposed to do. That's the trick of the enemy. So that's why we got all these types of, of, um, of uh, preachers that's out there and all types of uh, leadership and all types of denominations and all this stuff that's out there that is trying to push us away from the true mission of God. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, it's plenty. It's now, now when it, you know you get to a point, you just your eyes are open. Now you say it's right here in Scripture. How did I miss this yeah. the whole time? How did I miss this? Because we focus on the minor in church rather than the major. So, yeah. Timothy and Titus work. Nobody wants to go Everybody want to be Paul. Everybody want to be Paul. Everybody want to be the big guy or the next right. to the big guy. But nobody wants to go out and get the disciples and stuff like that. That's right. That's right. Renee, your hand is up. Go ahead. Yes, I think this is just outstanding. And uh, the enemy knows how we function. And so that's why it was great for you to um remind us what the four levels of learning to become a disciple because um a huge part of it even though we 
read the Bible and stuff. It's the studying and the training. And so because we are in classes like this, there's a lot of stuff I've learned from this class that I just didn't know. And I've been reading the Bible forever, you know, but you have to study it and you have to um, be trained. And that's what I think uh, religion is lacking a lot of the times because we're not properly trained and we're not studying properly. Yeah. I told I totally agree. Yeah, thank you for that thought there. Um, anybody else? No, I, right. I mean I was just really struck when Mark um, uh, made his point, and it's part of what I was saying as well that that opening sentence it's all about people and interpersonal relationships. So many people, and it's so funny that they do this because they're not necessarily all that tied to God, but they say, oh, I don't need people. I don't need the church. I don't, I don't need to go to church. What you need is me and God. Um, that's so sad that they have that perspective. But what's even sadder is that most of the people that say stuff like that aren't really even all that close to God. So um, we miss that. We miss that so often. Yeah, I hear I hear that a lot, too. Like I can study on my own. I can uh, have uh, it's just me and Jesus. That's all I need to go to the church because what the church left a nasty taste in their mouth or whatever. And so they don't trust the church. Um, they're not, they, they talk about a whole bunch of, you know, you hear that bunch of hypocrites over there, bunch of all this stuff. Um, yeah. So I, I hear, I hear that a lot too. So the one thing that we have to understand, we have to really redefine is what is the church and what is it here for? The church is like the, the learning system, the learning grounds on making disciples, that's all we're, we're supposed to be learners. We're, we're, the, we're the called out ones. We hear the word ecclesia, we're church. We're the called out ones. And what's supposed to be going on when we gather is learning. We're supposed to be strengthening and edifying and lifting up one another through the word of God. And so um, the, the, the author uh, talks about later on um, how the church is so focused on busy work. They got committees and they, they got all this stuff going on, but yet they are not focused on the main thing, which is discipleship. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, definitely. And then the last one, the last, um, let's see here. Oh yeah. We talked about faith, faithful men. Um, discipling stands or falls with these two little words. Solomon, um, that wise king of ancient Israel said, many a man, uh, proclaims his own loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? Um, faithful faithful uh, men and women have always been in short supply, um, and God still seeks them, seeks them out, okay? So that is what God is looking for. He's looking for faithful men. He's not looking for just good men. Yeah. He's not looking for just moral men. Uh, he's not looking for ethical men, but he's looking for faithful men. What is the difference between a good man versus a faithful man. I want to hear y'all thoughts. What is the difference? How come God is not looking for a good man? Well, he's looking for a faithful man. Um, 
Uh, one thing I could say is the difference between being good and godly. It seems good on the outside. That's where your where your heart is at. That's where your heart posture at. You could be good on the outside, but where your heart at? Because God look at the heart, while man look at the upper anyway. So. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that. Anybody else? Go ahead. Uh, when I look at the two words, good and faithful, are the meaning. Good to me is an ability. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when I look at it from the uh, perspective of what we're talking about. Faith, faithful is a character, it's a character trait. And if we are created in the image of God and in his likeness that we are, then he's looking for those who carry his character trait. Mm -hmm. Faithful is not what God is. Faithful is who, who God is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Go ahead, Tim. That's pretty much the same thing I was going to say. Okay. When he saves us and, and fills us with his, his spirit, he's looking for his character in us. Mm -hmm. He's looking for that spirit to transform us. Mm -hmm. He's looking for faithful. Yeah. Go ahead, Lindsay. Uh, when I think about good and faithful, faithful, I, I think of being tested, tried, and true. Faithful, um, I think of accountable. Mm -hmm. Faithful, I think of sacrificial. Mm -hmm. You know, so like you can be a good person you know, that do good things mm -hmm. and talk good, mm -hmm. but being faithful <coughs> is an action, mm -hmm. you know, meaning, you know, doing what you say you're going to do, be where you're going to be, be who you're supposed to be, you know, faith, being faithful, mm -hmm. you know, is, is more of um, a sacrificial action of, of a person. Right, right. Anybody else? I pretty much had the same um, ideals as Lindsay. Okay. A faithful man, to keep it short, shows up. Mm -hmm. Is always ac accountable and always does what he's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. A good man is a nice guy. <laughs> yep. Pretty, pretty much. Pretty much. Yep. I like. I like it. Anybody? Anybody else? I, I had a different thought on it though. Okay, go ahead. Let's hear it. Um, a faithful man is to me today is, and probably nobody's gonna agree with me, but the same as a religious man today. Religious men always show up. Religious women always show up. They're always where you are. They're always where Tam is. They're always where she is, where Wayman is. Religious people always show up. We we have um, put a bad look or taste in our mouth for religion or religious people, if I'm saying the words right. Okay. I think it's just, if I would love 
to be religious or faithful to the church like y'all. I know that I'm not, but if I would have religion in me, if I just did this over and over and over and over again, then it would translate into faithful because I would be faithful for the church, i.e. religious. And that's just what I got out of it when I read it. I just, like people have torn religious or religion down in a sense. Mm -hmm. But as I was reading it, that's all I got from it was faithful, religious, faithful, religious. People did not, what they do when they get here, not the type of people they are, it's just that they are always here. Okay. Y'all are always here. Y'all always do the things of God. Okay. And it's more, and I understand. And y'all got more. Looking at, he's looking at, I think, religious from an English word that yes, like religious literally means to be devoted and faithful. Right, yeah, I, I figured that's what he meant. Exactly. Because yeah. when you're talking about religious as far as what scripture talks about, it's, it's God speaks against exactly. being religious. Right. Um, yeah. It reminds me of Colossians 2 when he says that uh, <coughs> the appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism, there's that's it's no value to you. So I'm and he's basically saying that faithful person, right. um, committed. that committed, committed. person. Uh, he wants to get to that level of being committed. So yeah, definitely. I, I hear it that's now. Which is yeah. not religion as far as right, right, right. So that's people will hear people the word. I don't I don't know which yeah, I hear you got you. Yeah, because when yeah. people hear religion, like, oh, I just need to be religious as in following a religion. And that's not what God called. And that's not what I was saying. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So I, I, I want to be, I want to be religious. What I, what I heard mm -hmm. under that mm -hmm. was I yeah. want to be spiritual. Right, yeah, that's I what I want to be more spiritual. Mm -hmm. I want to be more committed. Yeah. Like, and, and well, that's what we'll, and, and, and I like too that, that we went from learning a lot. Mm -hmm to then checking a lot of foolishness to, hey, chill, you got to know how to check it right mm -hmm. and check it a certain way mm -hmm. because you hear a lot of people's thoughts and analogy and sometimes you just got to fix their terminology. Right. And then once you show them this is what the word means, then you'll find in most cases they like, Oh no, that's not what I meant by that. Right. I actually meant this. And then you're like, okay, so technically, quit dogging the people before you because you were yeah, somewhere learning something. Yeah. You just got bad. We used to say it all the time. We just don't have the language uh -huh. for what we're after. Right. Yeah. We have bad language. We have bad dialect. Yeah. And <clears throat> you said it um, as well how the English language. So the what the what the scriptures talk about <laughs> religion is totally what we think today on religion. So I, yeah. I love I love what you said, Mark, um, about that. Like that's 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 part of the the mentoring and modeling piece. Yeah. So he sees us in action, yes. and that's yeah. something that he wants to achieve. And of course, that's work. Like, <laughs> you ready to put in work? Let's go. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, 
So that's that's how this is supposed to set up. Like I'm supposed to look at how Eva handled a situation and she handled it with grace. And I'm like, okay, I need to learn how to handle that situation with grace. Can you teach me on how to handle that situation? So it's that's that's the, the mentoring and modeling part of being a learner, of uh, a lifelong learner, I should say, a lifelong learner of Jesus Christ. So yeah, thank you for that one. Uh, anybody else? That was really good. Okay, okay, we, we, we trucking through this book, okay? So let's go to the next one. Teach others also. This is where the uh, discipling process begin to pick up um, head of steam. We are now in the fourth generation. We begin with Paul, and then Timothy, then faithful men, and finally others also. Teaching others cannot be done solely through a classroom situation. And it tells the imparting of a life the same in-depth transmission that occurred between Paul and Timothy. So that's what we've been talking about, their relationship um, between Paul and Timothy. That's steps three and four, the mentoring and modeling there, okay? Um, and so uh, we, we kind of talked about that, how you should um, know the person that you're, that you're under, know the person that you're modeling after or whatnot, okay? And so that's hard. Um, the, in the Christian church, that's hard to do because the pastor is untouchable. The pastor has his own entrance to the church. The pastor um, has a whole entourage of people. A parking spot. Right. A parking spot. A, a pastor has his own entourage that you can't, you can't talk to the pastor, make an appointment type thing. What if Paul had that? He wouldn't be able to make effective disciples. Ta uh, Timothy, that was his whole mantra. The fact that I know you, the fact that I know your doctrine, the fact that I know your deeds, that's why I can trust you. Yeah. But a lot of these preachers, now a lot of these pastors, you don't know their doctrine and deeds, even though they may say fancy stuff behind the pulpit. But when you really talk to them, they don't even believe half of the stuff that they're saying. They're just doing it for the dollars. Yeah. That's just like one well-known prophet. Uh, he go everywhere, but then one day I just happened to be people at the rapture. We're just here, and it's like I never, mm -hmm. never, ever heard you say a word like that. You go back and listen to his prayers, and you're like, you don't even say that. In your prayers that you got all of us reading <laughs> and declaring, and then now all of a sudden, and, it's, and then you go dig, and you like, you always thought this, but just never came out with it unless he was in a personal setting like that. It's like you would never know unless you get closer. Yep, never know. Okay, so that is key there. Uh, let me uh, continue on here in the book. The next paragraph. This is the multiplicative process. Um, without while the faithful men are teaching others also, Timothy is in the process of raising up more faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Implementing this vision of multiplying disciples constitutes the only way Christ's commission can ever be ultimately fulfilled.
find down ministries and get to get yeah, they, they get together, have a glass of wine, and we chit chat wine clubs in the church. Ain't no type of word going for it. They ain't not up the street. I should have known. Uh, uh, <laughs> it's, it's there, like it's the social clubs. That, no wonder why people say it's a bunch of cliques in the church and all this stuff because we're not even. Uh, we're not even uh, taught that the importance of disciple making each ministry. So you can you can have all the events in church. You have those faithful people who come and set up and clean and cook there all day. But when we ask you to come to a class, you you busy. You may have, you're not here. She's talking about praying, but they don't want to come to Bible study to learn the word to pray. Pray. <laughs> So yeah. Okay. Anywho, let's move on. All right. Next paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> Dawson Trotman, founder of the Navigators, used to say, "Activity is no substitution for production. Production is no substitution for reproduction. Whatever ministry are engaged, uh, we are engaged in, it ought to be reproductive. Okay. So don't mistake busy work with the true, the true work of the church. Okay." The religious perspective is uh, for us to stay busy. Okay, you got choirs, usher, dance, all this stuff, but is it helping you grow in the Lord? Do you understand the lyrics that you're singing? Do you understand the words that you're dancing to? Okay, some type of teaching, some type of understanding should be going on at all times. And that okay? simple thing will make the biggest difference in somebody's life. Yeah. So nobody's like, you know, <laughs> oh, Life hit me bad at, at work, so I just started jumping and turning. <laughs> you know, we done taught you that you know your dance is your weapon. So now, so now your boss doing something, you in the office like, oh Jesus! It's like no, you gotta have that word. You gotta have that word on the inside, and that simple explanation before I dance could make a, a the world of giving me some structure and teaching concerning what we're doing. Concerning the word will make a big difference in somebody's life rather than just, you know, then I can't wait to get home and put the garments on and dance before God so I can win. Mm -hmm. But after you dance, you go out in the parking lot because somebody else. What's the point of the dance? God, you know, bodily exercise. Scriptures here. Let me see here. Let me see if this. Uh, oh, it's right there. here. Get this woke. This is the next slide that I need to go to. Since faithfulness can mean so many things to so many people, we should not accept um, the watered-down definition, but instead should seek to know the mind of God 
by making his word authoritative in all things, okay? So it says, read and discuss, so we've been doing that. Uh, let's go to page 12. Um, the first biblical model for discipleship, it says that he has adopted the same objectives in life that God sets forth in scriptures, okay? But Jesus said, uh, but first, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So we hear this scripture. Somebody tell me, Eva can't answer this at first. <laughs> at first, you can't answer it. But if you see them struggling, <laughs> what is the kingdom? And we just did a whole I know, right? <laughs> what does it mean to seek the kingdom? And how can we seek the kingdom if we don't know what it means? What 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 is the kingdom? Somebody help, somebody tell me. The series started off with reign, his rule, his government. Yes. Yes. Yep. That's it. Anybody want to add in? She said it's righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. There you go. Anybody and to, else? And to seek that clearly means to pursue. Yes. That's why we are where we are uh -huh. in this whole thing. But to, <laughs> to pursue literally means to go after it. And I like what I, I talked about last week was literally to, to gaze at it to the point that it becomes a part of who you are. Yeah. It overcomes your thoughts and imagination and it's made real in what you are. We're not just looking to look and say, oh, in awe, we're looking at it to literally become what we see. That so, becomes our everything. Good. Because yeah. it's the sustaining power <clears throat> for now. Yeah. Now, once you pursue the kingdom, understand the kingdom mm -hmm. and the king, mm -hmm. then you can maneuver through this thing called life here in the natural, untouched, literally untouched. Yeah. yeah. But yes, the kingdom is his, his rulership, his yep. reign in your life, um, be able to pursue the, the, the things of the of spirit, things of the spirit, okay, the mind of God. And you want to add anything else to it? I don't, that's it. Is it that's it? <laughs> she shook her head. Yeah, so I know we're on the uh, right track there. <laughs> so yes, um, Tony Evans, he writes in his book. Uh, uh, we uh, talk about the kingdom agenda. The first okay. sentence in his book is the kingdom is the compre comprehensive rulership of heaven. Yep. Flat yep. out. I love it. <laughs> hey, I can put the book down. Like. <laughs> right. The first sentence grabs you. And so that is it. Just allowing God's uh, rulership, his word to have presidents in your life. That's the first thing I depend on. That's the first thing I would seek after, okay? And so um, um, if it's not present in your lives, then he cannot use you to make disciples. Mm -hmm. He's not gonna use you to make disciples if you're not yielded to his word. If you're not yielding your life um, under his rulership and his dominion and his authority, okay? Um, he, being about Jesus' business is first as a disciple, okay? So this is why we have training. So you know and understand how to submit to him. There's a way to submit your life to, to Jesus Christ, okay? Um, uh, it is full-time work. Uh, seeking the kingdom is full-time work. <laughs> seeking the kingdom is not, is not easy. It's a process. Um, we can't, there's no such thing as of, of allowing Jesus to have part-time worship. Right. 
So he has rules why I'm here in church, during Bible study, maybe driving, depends on what I'm listening to. <laughs> we, uh, it is, it's either all or none with Jesus. He, he don't have a break. Like, there's no break with, with Jesus. It's either all or none. Okay. And so um, that's, that's important there. So we must learn how to incorporate the kingdom uh, values and behavior in all aspects of, of our lives, okay? Um, going back to the book, it says, rarely did the Lord Jesus ask people to seek something, but here he suggests we seek two things that are to uh, become the twofold objective of every believer, his kingdom and his righteousness. You ain't got that highlighting. Like that was that's a good that's a good point there. Next paragraph it says, notice that Jesus does not say to seek money. Well, he does not say to seek a wife or a dozen other things that could easily occupy our attention. Rather, he is saying that if we seek his kingdom and his righteousness, he will assume responsibility for meeting every other need in our lives. That is a good point there. That's, that's the way to shout. That's what y'all know when to shout. That's a good shout. Right. I ain't got to do it. It ain't got to do But we serve a God that never lies. So if he says seek the kingdom first, and he'll, he'll he'll make sure everything else is added onto you. He means that thing. He means that thing. Okay. Um. So uh, and so, do we do we understand uh, when when our life is consumed, uh, we will be presented with other opportunities of other kingdoms. Yeah. Satan will present his kingdom. So do we even know the difference between what Satan is offering versus what God is offering? Because when we look in John 4, when Satan was offering Jesus the world and all this stuff, it sounded like good stuff. Good stuff. The word good. Right. He offered some good. Yeah, they were telling me in the car with everything they was learning. I ain't got to ask. They was like, yeah, we learned enough. Yeah, temptation. Yeah, temptation. Anyway, <laughs> but um, the Satan can offer good things. And you may say, oh, all these blessings are happening in my life. And I got this job. I got my girls. But yet you're, you are in disobedience. You are in disobedience. But yet you still think, gosh, is blessing me. Oh, the enemy has good things to offer you. Yes. No difference. Yeah, he can offer you good things too. Go ahead, Brother Mark. You've been on it. The funny thing about that situation to me is everything he offered was already here. It was. take carnality out of it because when you accept this agreement that's what you accept and yeah. it is basically all yeah god has given us everything that has pertained to life and god y'all know here they come So yes, that is that is a good. That's good. So we must be able to know the difference 
of what Satan's trying to offer us versus what God can offer us, okay? So, um, is it really the difference is the intent? It's the intent. The intent, because he can't offer what God hasn't created already. Yeah. So, it's really the intent and the carnality behind this, you see. Yeah, so if the, if Satan is offering me uh, a six-figure job, how can this help the kingdom? Yeah. How is this contributing to discipleship making? Now, all of a sudden, I work on Saturdays, and I ain't available no more. TLC shut down, and I got this six-figure job. And how many times have we seen that even in yeah. church in six years? They come in, they cry, we pray, we prophesy, we lay hands, we do all that stuff, and we tell them God's going to do it, just stay faithful, and they get the job, and they get it, and they disappear. They disappear. How many times? Never mind. And they just they just go. <laughs> We've seen it so many times. many times. It's like, oh, God bless me, and now, and I'm going, huh, right, huh. I'm going to blame God on them. Right, right, go ahead. Any decision that is made, oh. I <laughs> Absent of God mm -hmm. is Absent. Satan. Yeah. Okay, that's the difference. Mm -hmm. You know, God put everything for us. However, just because it, everything is put for us, decisions made absent of God, it becomes sin, it becomes evil. And anytime we make a decision or allow a decision to rule our motivations and uh, our rule, uh, mm -hmm. uh, how we obtain, then we have just bowed down to the leadership of Satan, not God. Not even realizing it. Not even realizing it. Bowing down in Gucci, don't Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Not the right not to say that you can't have that stuff. That's, but don't let that be your primary drive. Yeah, that you you see what Lucifer did, he tried to do. He didn't do that. What he tried to do with Jesus, I'll give you all of this. Look at this. Try to manipulate and rule his decision. Yeah. You know, and that's where we falter. Because we allow what we see as good to rule and manipulate our decision, yep. which will manipulate us away from that. Yep, yep, that is good. Yep, yep. All right, let's try to finish. Let's see here. Let's go, let's go, let's go. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> um, now the author talks about this uh, lawyer. Um, uh, he was given uh, a position. Uh, well, his college would not make him a senior partner because he had it wasn't on his priority list, pretty much. Yeah. And that last kind of last sentence in that paragraph says, "Being a lawyer was a means to an end, not the end in, in itself." I believe it was because of his commitment that God entrusted him with so much success. He put God first. Seek ye first, and then God will make sure everything, every, he'll make sure you're straight. Make sure you're good. And he will. Uh, next paragraph says, whatever your vocation is, it must uh, never be your life objective. For your vocation, no matter how noble it may be, um, be is in the final analysis temporal. The scriptures teach us that uh, we are going to give our lives to the eternal and not to the temporal. A faithful man is a man who has chosen eternal objectives for his life. <clears throat> so don't let your job rule you. Uh, uh, <laughs> okay. So that's why I got somebody faithful. 
Um, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. It's a uh, uh, a good topic. Um and it's funny that you said said that because I remember when I was young before my uh granny became a pastor, she left a business. She left a business, she became a full-time pastor. And um and God, God supplied every need. And I had a situation where I was about to walk into a career making more money than I have ever made. I think I told Pastor one time, I'm like that. But the time it was like all day. And I was always raised like anything that you give too much to can be your God, whether it's a relationship, your mm-hmm. business or whatever. You know what I mean? If you, if, if God, just like I tell my daughters when they wake up in the morning before they go to school, give God his first. Don't give, don't, don't turn on no radio. Don't get in no social media. He has to be first, you know, give him the first through to your lips every morning. And that's how I, and I stand on that. So even though the the money sounded good, the money sounded real good. And I told my mama, like, you know, interview for, you know, three people. And they was like, well, because of your resume and your experience, you know, you know, we can promote you. Sound good. I think I had told a uh, pastor and I think I told uh, one of my friends, but if for some reason it just, it didn't sit well with me. So it's like, like I'm looking at the hours. I'll be at work from seven all the way to seven in the morning, all the way to seven in the evening. I'm saying, okay, I go to church. That ain't got work with me. That means missing time out of my children's lives. But at the end of the day, another thing that I know for sure is having the Holy Spirit is important because God let me know that ain't that's not for you. And when you when you like I said, one one thing that I know when you obey God. And I will say, I ain't been working like that because of certain situations. You know, I'm trying to get my health together, my mama health together. But when I tell you, God has been providing for me. I ain't take that job. Uh-huh. And he still has been providing every need. I ain't lack not one meal. My kids ain't lack. Now, yeah, we went through some stuff, but we ain't lack. But that comes from when, like you say, when you seek him first, yeah. you know, the kingdom of heaven, like you said, kingdom agenda, he's going to take care of everything because he know every need. And, but, and, and then when you obey him, I could have been working crazy. Who knows? You know, losing sleep. Kids going to be acting a food in school, whatever. You know, they probably won't be as far as they is in school right now by the grace of God. But I had to obey his voice, yeah. you know, and I obey God. He said, uh-uh. And I'm like, I wanted this so bad. But and that's how the enemy sometimes try to entice him, whether it's a relationship. Man, you know, he's talking the right stuff. He's going and just talk about relationship. But what I'm saying, he's talking the right stuff. But it ain't God. And that's why you, when you have to discern and, you know, listen to his voice. And when, like I said, when I was at home, just talking to God, because I had to get in my secret place. I'm like, well, this is a big sacrifice because of the hours, because I would have been working Monday. Um, do I think I'd be working on Saturdays, too. Mm-hmm. When I had no life, you know, when I had no time really for, you know, for um, God. I mean, of course, you know, waking up in the morning, but that's not enough because he requires so much more for, you know, from us as believers. And then, you know, when you'll become a disciple, you require so much more. So which one are, is going to, you know, be your God? Is it going to be your job? Are you going to allow God to supply every need? And when I tell you, I ain't take the job and God has been blowing my mind. Yeah, that's, that's all good. I got to say. Thank you for that testimony <laughs> right there. That's good. Thank you for that, Tanya. Um, as we see, we run out of time. 
We get we got a little further. It was good. Yeah, it was good. Uh, so next week I'm gonna pick up with this, and then we're gonna hop into chapter two, same day. So we're gonna finish this up and then hop into. So next week, right, right, right. Yeah. Next week we're in chapter two, so we're gonna hop hop into that. So, um, so I want to thank you all for the good dialogue and discussion. So I hope you guys were taking copious notes. I hope that you all, uh, especially next week when we start quizzing. You guys will be ready. <laughs> so uh, if there are any other questions or, or comments, um, I'm going to go ahead and pray out. Uh, I'm, I'm in the praise and worship time now, so I want to be respectful for them. So uh, let's pray out. Um, Father God, we thank you for your grace, for your love, for your kindness. And uh, I'm thankful for this, this platform of learning, Father, that we're able to um, dialogue with one another and to receive some awesome illumination of your word, Father, um, that we are um, on the same path of pursuing you and to know what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's not easy, it's tough, but as long as we're doing it collectively as a body, it makes uh, the journey even more worthwhile, Father. So God, I pray that we are uh, coming to a point of trusting one another and, um, and seeking each other's help and um, be able to just walk this thing out together um, and not by ourselves, Father. Um, so God, we thank you for what you're doing and um, continue to, to bless us as we continue to seek your word, God. Allow us to not become weary in our well doing, Father. So we give you all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. I'll see you all next week. Tanya, you do need a book. You need to register. You don't ever register for class, Tanya. Call but her she out. all up in the class. Call her out. Register. <laughs> and I'll get one sent to you, girl. <laughs>